Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and you know what time it is. It's the All-Star break, and that means that the Knicks have, quote-unquote, half of their season left to go. It's really more like a quarter, and it could be a big key stretch for them. So we are here to break down what the goal should be for the Knicks as far as record goes in the last 22 games of the season and how they could hope to accomplish it next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On. Next, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. If you haven't already, make sure to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell on YouTube or the subscribe button and the auto download function on your favorite podcast app. So you never miss an episode because we are here five days a week, even during the All-Star break, even during what's supposed to be vacation. We're going to be here. Five days a week for you guys. Who are we though? <laughs> I'm Alex. Wait, wait, Alex, you got to throw in the Ed Cohen. No vacation until the vacation. <laughs> yeah, was that no, a, no break until the break? It was no it was break until the break. Except yes. except no break even when there is a break. I'm no bre- no break at all. No breaks. Period. No breaks. <laughs> <laughs> all gas. No breaks. We just yeah. mixed mixed our sports metaphors. Mm-hmm. Anyway, who's who's speaking to you? Who's in your your earphones <laughs> or on your screen today? I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor chief of Nick's like the Strickland, which you can find. At district.land, he's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And the Knicks are currently sitting, thanks to their final win and the Heat's final loss, prior to this uh, break, uh, no-gas all-break right now for the Knicks, uh, they are sitting at the number six seed in the Eastern Conference, narrowly ahead of the Heat, and just a little behind the Nets right now. But obviously the Nets are a very different team than the team that got them to this seeding through most of the season. Uh, so things are quite fluid from the five to seven to even if you want to include the Hawks, which reluctantly, I guess I will eight seed Gavin. Why don't, why don't you lay out for, for those that haven't pulled up NBA.com slash standings in a minute where the Knicks are sitting right now and, and just how tight this race is at the moment. Right. So I'm only I'm only going as far as I mean, to your point, the five seed, because the Knicks are, are four and a half games in back of the Cavs. I, I, I do not see them catching Cleveland as I'm going to highlight Cleveland as one of the easiest remaining schedules in the NBA. So I, I'm just going to cross that off as a possibility. But the Nets are very catchable. The Nets have 24 games left um, and the Knicks are. I, well, first of all, before I say that, I should say the Nets are 34 and 24. The Knicks at 33 and 27 are two games in back of them. But kind of tricky thing is here the Knicks only have 22 games left so they, they almost they almost have less room to do work but you could also argue they have less room to mess up the Heat then are two and a half games in back of the Nets half a game in back of the Knicks they have 23 games left Hawks three and a half in back of the Knicks they have 23 games left and then I, I just threw the Raptors in here for good measure 
Um, they have every tiebreaker over the Knicks, but fortunately they are four and a half games back of the Knicks with 23 games left. So it is a real long shot, no matter how good, uh, uh, Jakob Pertl is, uh, that the Raptors will come up and catch the Knicks. And then as far as remaining schedule, um, all these teams have very difficult ones. The Knicks have the eighth hardest remaining schedule in the league, but the Nets have the seventh, the Heat have the ninth, the Hawks have the third. So I would not expect the Hawks to shoot at the standings, especially with what we just saw from them. Um, and the Raptors are fifth. One other note, Alex, before I throw it back to you. Philly, who is currently the three seed, has the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA. And some uh, slightly questionable health from Joel Embiid, who's apparently been playing through a foot injury. Um, while the Cleveland Cavaliers have the 27th um, hardest schedule left in the NBA. So if the Knicks goal, and we can we can talk about this, I want to get your thoughts on this, is to match up with the Cavs. And I, I, I would say that's what they should be aiming for. It's probably the most beatable of those top four teams. The Knicks would want to end up as the sixth seed. And I think that is is probably, um, I mean, you could argue the fifth seed is the most likely outcome for them, but given their deficit to the Nets and the fact that the Heat are good and seem to be clicking at the right time, like I would argue that's a pretty realistic outcome for New York. Yeah, I think so too. I, th- I think that if I was a betting man, I don't know exactly how it's going to, I am occasionally a betting man sponsored by FanDuel. Now, uh, <laughs> I don't I, I don't know exactly how everything is going to fall, but I would be willing to bet that the Knicks and the Heat will end up the five and six seed, and I think the Nets slip into the play-in. You know, I think that we've seen they're clearly a very different team. They're, you know, I mean, they're all role players now, essentially. Good role players, don't get me wrong. It's a great core of guys that they have there but they're you want to talk about like we talk about the Knicks like oh maybe they're still missing that like 1A star like the Nets are kind of missing like a 1C star arguably right now you know depending on how you look at Macau Bridges who just had a career night the other night but like they're just a bunch of supporting guys and that's it's going to be difficult for them on the fly to retool a completely brand new team uh, and you know kind of make this whole thing work and finish out the season strong like they'll have to. Uh, I think the Knicks and Heat end up five and six. How that shakes down, I don't know. But regardless, I think that's a good position for the Knicks because whether they end up against Philly or uh, Cleveland, I think both of those are the best matchup given the circumstances that they could end up with. I think that the worst thing that can happen for the Knicks from a perspective of like if we want to see this team maybe potentially try to win a playoff series would be slipping to the seven or eight seed uh, and, you know, advancing in the play in first off, which is no guarantee, but then making their way to face either the Bucks or the Celtics. I just don't see either of those two teams being a good matchup for the Knicks. They're both teams that traditionally in the past have had the Knicks number to a degree. Uh, and especially when it comes to playoff time, I think just two teams that have dominant forces of nature on their team that would just, I mean, Giannis just always owns the Knicks like to an absurd degree. And he that probably would not change uh, in the playoffs. And if anything, it would get worse in the playoffs because Giannis gets way better in the playoffs most of the time. And then the Celtics are the Celtics. I mean, they have two bona fide, like all NBA level players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and a, a really deep team. So it, just not ideal there. So I think the Knicks should be just aiming, avoid the play in whether you end up five or six seed. I don't think it matters a huge deal. Uh, also, if you end up with the Cavs or the Sixers, I mean, I think the Sixers to me are the tougher matchup because, again, if you want to talk about like a team that has all NBA guys, like yeah. Joel Embiid is the best player 
period out of all of those like out of that uh three to six range you know of all those teams he's by far the best player among anybody on either the the Sixers the Cavs the Knicks or the Heat or even the Nets obviously but like he's he's so much better that just by virtue of him I think they're a worse matchup however the Knicks always play the Sixers quite well and if Mitchell Robinson is healthy and, you know, able to do his best, he kind of mitigates Embiid to a degree. But then they also have James Harden, who at his best is also an NBA caliber talent, even if he's kind of fallen off a little bit this year. If he finds a different gear in the playoffs, then, you know, he's potentially those two are potentially better than any player on the Cavs. Uh, and that's no disrespect to Donovan Mitchell, but like Harden's a former MVP and, you know, one of the better scorers in league history. Uh, not to say that Mitchell isn't, but yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I, I would want to match up with the Cavs, but I would not be heartbroken to match up with the Sixers. And I would certainly, even if it's like a three, six matchup, I would not look at that as like some hopeless, uh, you know, situation to be in. So I, I think there's uh there's merit to be made that really what, if I were the Knicks, my goal is just five or six seed. Like if you can, you could secure that. I think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think I think with Philly, you always have to remember, and it's 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 not something you ever root for. Because personally, he's he's like one of my favorite players in the NBA. But and there, there's inherent variance there because Embiid gets hurt every postseason, right? And like and sometimes he plays through it. Like I mean, the closest they ever came and the best team they ever had of the Embiid era was that Jimmy Butler team where they lost to the eventual champion Raptors, of course, on the the crazy triple bounce uh, or double bounce Kawhi shot. Um, and even that series, like Embiid was 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 way off and like way out of it for a lot of that series and it, it feels like every single year he gets hurt. And in that scenario, all of a sudden that becomes an extraordinarily beatable team without Embiid, but with Embiid, like I almost, despite having Mitch, I almost fear him more than Giannis. And that, that's kind of unfair to say, given that Giannis's playoff record is, I mean, his resume is just so much more extensive than Embiid's is at this point, but he like Embiid just kills the Knicks. Like it, it feels like he has like, 15 of 17 games against him this year, right? Like where, where he's, he's playing against air almost at times. Like even, even when Mitch is in there, like Mitch just always seems to get into foul trouble against him. He's been a little bit better this year, but that is such a tough matchup. While the Cavs, I mean, we've seen the Knicks go two and one against them so far this year. If my memory serves correctly. And I, I think there is something about like, when you look at the Cavs versus the Celtics, like I, I just think inherently it's a much better matchup for the Knicks going up as good as Donovan Mitchell is like a smaller guard versus like two alpha wings. Like it feels like the Knicks are going to just be punished, like playing the Jason Tatum's and Jalen Brown's of the world. While those guards are good. Isaac Okoro has been playing dramatically better all of a sudden, like the last month and a half over 40% from three. So that's something to watch with them, but I don't know. They're just, they don't scare me. They, they feel like beatable. Like I feel like Jalen Brunson can go out and, and, and torch Darius Garland. I feel like as good as they are defensively, Julius Randle, like if, if you're extending Evan Mobley all the way out to the perimeter, like he's going to be able to get his a little bit here and there. So I, I, I do think that is a winnable matchup for the Knicks. And I think Philly, like with, with some luck on their side could be as well, but that's, that's a little bit scarier for me. Um, I want to actually go through the remaining uh, post all-star break, um, schedule for the Knicks and, and, and see how realistic it is that they can get to the target record we're going to set for them. But first, how about a target car in your life? Of course, we're talking about our newest sponsor here at Locked On Knicks, Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And my player of the week, Alex, I, I thought about throwing a twist in there and, and, and saying Josh Hart 
um, just because of the impact he's made as the new guy. But man, oh man, it has to be Jalen Brunson. Let's just say the week uh, starts on Friday, given that's when we're handing these out every week. So last Friday against the Sixers, he dropped 30 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, then had a cool 38 against the Jazz, had maybe his best game of the season against the Nets. One of the better games in NBA history, um, when when you look at the uniqueness of him having 40 points on 70% shooting with no turnovers, that's been done by less than 20 players ever. Um, The Atlanta Hawks, just a cool 28-9-5. and That was his worst game of the week. So it tells you that he is certainly deserving of this one. He was absolutely electric, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful. Um, he, he, He was incredible. And the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. And all you have to do is shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, and we are back on Locked on Nick. So, Alex, I think I think before we get into going game by game, um, of the 22 games the Knicks have left, to be in that 5-6 range, what, what would you set as, as their target record? What do you think they have to go to get that spot to pass? Prop, I, I think it's probably, may, maybe you disagree, but for me it's more so about passing the Nets than staving off the heat. But w- like, w- what's kind of the range there? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets went 500 the rest of the way out. Mm. I think that's probably about the type of team they are. Again, if we're talking about they are – they're a team without an alpha now, you know, again, depending on how much you want to buy into Macau bridges is uh, a career night. The other night, maybe he's the guy that's going to have to serve as the, the de facto alpha, but um, lest I remind anybody, and I'm not saying that there's the same player. I think McCall is much better, but Tim Hardaway jr. Once upon a time was a number one scoring option for the Knicks and did that admirably. And, you know, anybody can put on that hat and, you know, go out there and score the points, but not everybody can be like a true alpha player in the NBA and, and, you know, influence the game in that way. I don't know that that's happening. Alonzo Trier, Alonzo Trier can put on the alpha hat and go out there and score 30 on any given night, man. Where, where is he now? Uh, Anyway, (laughs) but the, uh, I, I think that the Nets will probably go about 500. So all that would mean to me then is that the Knicks just need to, like so the Nets have 24 games less. So let's say they go 12 and 12. The Knicks then just need to win two more games than them uh relative to the overall standing. So you wrote this number down. I think I think this adds up, or maybe it's like they'd have to win one less, but like 13 and 9 or 14 and 8, I think would be good enough to put them ahead of the Nets then. And then whatever the Heat do, like I said, I, I think the Knicks goal at this point should just be hold on to the five, six seed like grim death. And you know, like don't let that get away uh, as long as you stay out of that seven eight spot i think you're in good shape if you're the knicks to potentially have a competitive first round series and i think given the construction of the the nets now they don't scare me too much i think the heat will probably roughly pace the knicks because the heat are just a good team and they always are and the hawks and raptors don't really worry me too much if i'm being completely honest i think that they're going to stay about where they are as uh, some of the last teams in the play-in and that's going to be pretty much it. Well, I guess the Hawks are technically the eight seed, but both those teams are under 500. Like they'd have to really, really like bust butt down the stretch to, to get anywhere close to the Knicks or the heat, unless the Knicks or heat just completely uh, crap the bed down the stretch. So that's, that's what I think. I think a couple, you know, as long as they stay about two games higher than the nets. And if the nets are, are, you know, 
at 12 and 12, then that would mean like, uh, you know, the Knicks just have to be two games, three games over 500 or so, whatever the math works out to considering yeah. they don't have the exact yeah. same amount of games left. Yeah. So if they, they, if the Nets go 500, which would be 12 and 12, the Knicks would tie them at 13 and nine and then have a better record at 14 and eight. So I, I'm, really? I'm on the exact same page as you. Mm-hmm. I, they, they, the Nets feel like a 500 team to me. I think we, we talked about this a little bit when we had Josh on after the Nets game, they're going to have like, I, I think a top three to five defense the rest of the way. They have really great personnel on that side of the ball. It's going to come down to how well they can score and like, and there's going to be some tricky lineup decisions there because that might mean playing someone like Cam Thomas a little bit more, but then you're giving like an easy target on an otherwise lockdown defense, or if they go all defense, like, Cam Johnson's going to have to step up. Bridges is going to have to put up close to 30 a night, which is, is a tall task for a guy who's like more, more, more like an 18 point per game scorer for most of his career. They're going to need Nick Claxton without like the benefit of having Kevin Durant and Kyrie to continue to play like a borderline all-star. Like I, I think there's a world where the Nets, like given how tough that schedule is, even fall like a bit below 500, like 10 and 14. Wouldn't totally shock me. I really think Miami is going to be, I, I think they've kind of figured things out and I think they're going to just be, incredibly tough to play and the Knicks um, have two more games against the heat. I think it's really crucial that if the Knicks want to stay ahead of them, that they, they have to very least split those games just to stay in the mix. And they have one more um, against the Nets. So I, I figured we could just go right ahead and, and get into um, the schedule. So what I, I took the liberty of doing was I divided into a three, four game segments and then one game, one, six game segments. Since like you obviously you can't split that up any better. Um, so the first one post all-star break would be, at the Wizards, and then the Pelicans at home, the Celtics at home, and the Nets at home. So nominally nice to start with three pretty tough teams, especially if Zion is healthy coming out of the All-Star break at home, except the Knicks are somehow still a worse home team than they are a road team. Um, but I, I still had as the target record three and one there. I think they lose that Celtics game, but I, I think all three of those other games, Alex, are very winnable. And especially if Mitchell Robinson is back, like I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a red flag if they only split those games or, or uh, James Dolan forbid go uh, go two or go one and three in those games. Yeah, I think I think the Wizards game almost a I don't want to say a guaranteed win, but hmm. very, the closest thing on that list to a guaranteed win is playing at the Wizards because, like you said, the Knicks surprisingly weirdly don't play as well at home as they do on the road. I guess because every other team gets up for MSG so much more than any other arena uh, that then, you know, the Knicks end up going to other teams buildings and somehow being the, like the T you know, having looking better by comparison against other teams on their own home floors. Uh, So I think that on the road to open things up weirdly is a good thing for the Knicks uh, to start the second not second half. I, I I keep saying that. We need to redo the terminology in the NBA. It's not second. The last quarter. Fourth, fourth quarter. Yeah, the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter of the season. There we go. We just found it. We just solved the whole problem. Uh, and then the Pelicans. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, so let's just say the Nets, I think they can beat again. You know, yes. again, if I didn't make it clear enough, I don't think the Nets are nearly as threatening anymore. Uh, surprise, surprise. You lose two. <laughs> yeah, lose two max players and suddenly your team's not as threatening anymore. Um, so I think they can definitely win that game and should win that game. And then the Pelicans and Celtics, I think they'll split it. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Celtics, though. Mm. I think, I you know, I think the Celtics are fallible, especially in the regular season. You know, I think it's it, – we've seen the Knicks beat them a number of times in recent years. You know, and it, it even last year when the Knicks weren't even that good. They still managed to snag a win over the Celtics. Uh, so I, I think there's a decent chance that they might 
win that game as well uh, and maybe drop the one to the Pelicans. Or, I mean, there's a there's an outside shot. They can go 4-0 in the stretch. But I think I'm with you. I, I would go for 3-1. and I mean, obviously, we've seen with the Knicks, they're not going to they're not going to not go for a win any given game. But um, I think that if if they came out of that first four game stretch three and one, I think they could be like, OK, like check. That was a good way to come out after the all star break. Let's let's try to keep this momentum going and, and finish the season strong. Yeah, I'm 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 completely with you. Um, I, I think something else we agree on is that, man, two segments in I could use uh, some, some refueling. Uh, do, do you have any suggestions? Oh, man. Well, I, I got good news for you, Gavin. Uh, if you need to refuel a little bit, you could always go grab a built Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you've got to try a built Bar. And, uh, you know, I, I think they need to update our ad copy a little bit, if I'm being completely honest, because it feels a little far away from New Year's resolutions at this point. However, I'm still doing mine. So, you know, I'm going to say that this this ad copy is still relevant because I'm still trying to eat healthy. I've been dieting been exercising i've lost like 10 pounds since i started a little early in december but feeling pretty good and if you want to feel good too you could join me and be eating some built bars because it's definitely been a core part of my diet lately and that's because built bars are so tasty they don't taste like their health food but they certainly are but they're covered in 100 percent real chocolate that is right real chocolate and they have unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and my personal favorite coconut almond and I'm really not sure how Built Bar does it, but they taste like a candy bar and have really great macros, though, just like those chalky, inedible other protein bars that you get that give you the protein that you need but taste like garbage. Built Bars give you all that great stuff, all that great protein without any sugar and calories or at least excessive amounts of them but taste amazing. It's what a development. I never knew that protein bars could taste so good. They're only 130 calories and four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now the good news is you don't have to wait around to get your box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. All right, we're back in for our third and final segment here, Gavin. We've got, uh, what, 16, 20, no, not that not that many. Uh, uh, eight, eight, 18 left. I math guess. is hard. 18. Yeah. 18 games left to break down here. Let's do this next four-game segment. Uh, the Knicks will take a road trip. A little little West Coast swing at the Clippers, at the Lakers, at the Blazers, and then versus the Nuggets. Oh wait, Alex, Alex, you uh, you, you skipped one. Uh, we got Miami, Boston, oh. Charlotte, Sacramento. Sorry, I'm mad at math and bad at reading. <laughs> well, they'll still take a little. They'll still take a little road trip here yeah. at Miami, at Boston versus Charlotte, and at Sacramento. Uh, Gavin, you've got the. Uh, I'll throw it to you. What do you think the target record is out of those four games? Yeah, so maybe this one was a little conservative. I I had I had two and two. Like I I think at Boston, I mean they they done it this year, so it's it's doable. But especially if they if they win one at home, like that that feels like a, a brutally tough game. As like it, it seems like I mean Jalen Brown's heading to the All Star game, so it seems like he's going to be healthy for that. I'm not quite sure when Marcus Smart comes back, but Derek White has been playing exceptionally well for them. Like arguably the best basketball of his career in the meantime. At Miami, that that is, I mean, we we're we're almost exactly a year removed from Emmanuel quickly and and the young guns like leading an incredible comeback there. So I would love to see that replicated. Those Heat games, man, I, I think to me, like almost more so than Boston, 
those will be incredibly good litmus tests for how ready this Knicks team is for the playoffs. Because psychologically, it feels like they're, they're like like no matter how much talent Miami has or doesn't have, like there's no harder team to beat in the NBA. And and they're they're sharks. Like they they smell blood in the water. Like if there's any hint of like like lack of cohesion, like I will always remember like LeBron and Wade just just torturing poor Jeremy Lin and, and basically ending ending Lin sanity single handedly. And of course they don't have that talent anymore. But that 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 is what they do under Spolster. They squeeze the life out of you. So that's a big game. Charlotte should be an automatic win at Sacramento. Um, should win, um, but not necessarily a guarantee given that the Kings are really good. So I went two and two, but Alex, I'm, I'm willing to hear three and one in that stretch. Yeah, I could, I could see three and one. I mean, the tough ones are obviously at Miami, at Boston. That's two teams that give the Knicks so many problems, Charlotte and Sacramento. I mean, Sacramento's really good this year too. I guess I shouldn't write them off. I would guess probably two and two mm-hmm. out of the stretch. I mean, I just think one of the two of those three road games, I think there's a decent chance they lose like at Miami, at Boston, at Sacramento. I don't know who it is that they would lose to Sacramento. I maybe actually give them a little better of a shot because they'll be, that'll be the first game of a West coast swing there. Yeah. Uh, so they won't be as tired or maybe they'd be more tired. I don't know how that really works to be honest. Like, I don't know if you're an NBA player, do you like the first game or the last game of a West coast swing less if you're an East coast guy, uh, maybe they won't be acclimated or whatever, but either way, Sacramento is a tough out. Yeah. Uh, Miami and Boston, I, I would like to hope for a split there. I'll tentatively say I think they would lose the Sacramento game, uh, but definitely would beat Charlotte. Charlotte's not much of a threat for anything this year, I don't think. Uh, so I, I feel pretty good about that as well. But again, just like you said, I could be talked into three and one, maybe like Sacramento. They win Charlotte, they win and split Miami and Boston. You could get three out of one out of there. Uh, now on to the the series that I tried to the series of games I tried to time travel us to a minute ago. Uh, at the Clippers, at the Lakers, at the Blazers, and then versus the Nuggets back at home. So this is obviously three more games on the West Coast. There, they're going to play a, a four game West Coast swing. Uh, but I feel this stretch, I feel much better about a potential three and one for whatever reason than I do the last stretch. Uh, I I think I think it's the Clippers. I don't know. Something about the Clippers to me, even though they're still like they got better at the trade deadline. They're still they still obviously have Kawhi Paul George. Like they have the star power. Like on paper, they've they have been ever since those two signed there, like a potential team that could like make a you know finals or something. But something about them feels fallible to me. So I think they could potentially sweep, like, go crazy and maybe sweep a West Coast trip. Uh, maybe sweep all four of those games. We've seen it from the Knicks before, and they're obviously relishing playing on the road. I think that the Clippers are fallible. I think the Lakers are still not good, uh, and the Blazers got worse uh, at the trade deadline. And obviously, shipped the Knicks a super great player in Josh Hart, who's probably going to want to give them the business uh, in that game. So. The Nuggets worry me a bit once, the, you know, visiting New York uh, with Jokic and everything. He always seems to just absolutely kill the Knicks. But I realistically probably two and two, but I could see a three and one out of the stretch. Yeah, I I don't know why I'm weirdly 
pessimist. I think I just have a sour taste in my mouth from the last time um, they played the Clippers and Lakers and and uh, the brutal overtime loss in both those games. Like uh, his whole career, it's felt like a miracle anytime the Knicks beat LeBron. And and there's still like, e- even with him being much older and having a much worse supported cast, uh, no, I don't think D'Angelo Russell is is going to change their lives. There's a reason Minnesota was, 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 was ready to pack his bags and just chauffeur him right out of town. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's like a little bit of a boogeyman element there. AD two, like even with Mitch back, that's just a, just a tough, tough matchup. Um, and the Clippers kind of the same thing with, with their two big wings. Like who knows if they're both playing, like it's very plausible. Like the Knicks could, could get an like, like an off night, not, not an off night. They don't chew well. Like literally just one of them takes the night off against the New York Knicks. So that, that Clippers game, should be winnable. I just, I, I hate playing. Like, I, I just don't think the Knicks are built very well to match up with two big wings. But again, I, I think getting Mitchell Robinson back makes such a substantial difference. I mean, again, the Knicks are what the, the 11th best defense with Mitch, like 27th best defense without him. So that game is doable. The Lakers game, I don't feel good about the Blazers. They should win, but that feels like, like if there's a let go of the rope game in there, it could be that with just Dame and Anthony Simons bombing away from three, um, Jeremy Grant uh, always always seems to kill the Knicks. So, um, and then the Nuggets, like obviously the Knicks avoided Jokic the first time. Um, not so lucky this time. That's that's going to be a revenge game, I think, given uh, what happened in Denver and and especially with Emmanuel quickly locking up Jamal Murray to end that game. So I I, I think two and two is pretty reasonable. But Alex, I, I think the next stretch of four games is way more forgiving. Uh, Minnesota at Miami again, at Orlando and Houston at home. Um, Obviously, Orlando gave the Knicks like a heck of a challenge last time, but they're a very beatable team. Houston at, at home like that, that that is a, a, a no excuses situation if you lose. And the Timberwolves have been playing much better basketball, but it's come without Carl Anthony Towns. And they were weirdly enough, a, a significantly worse. They're, they're 15 and eight um, their last 23 games. And they were below 500 if memory serves when Towns was playing. So. I, I think three and one there, Alex, maybe they get that heat game. Maybe they lose one game. They shouldn't, or maybe they just lose to the heat and sweep the ones they should. Yeah. I, I could see a four and O out of that stretch. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm feeling very bullish right now. If it's not obvious enough, like, yeah. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks have uh, instilled me with some confidence. That last game was so satisfying against the Hawks and that close to the first half or the first three quarters of the season was just so good. But like, yeah, it, I think I almost think it's more likely that they lose a game that they shouldn't in this stretch, whether it's the T Wolves, Orlando, or Houston, and then beat Miami. Um, especially if they lose to Miami that in that first uh, segment of games there, or the second segment rather uh, at Miami, and then have to go back to Miami again. I I wonder if they would be out for blood and go there and like really, you know beat up on Miami a bit uh, to the best of their ability. Uh, But the Knicks have also played Miami, I think better this year than they have in recent years, which is a good sign as well. So um, I, I think it's realistic. It'll be three and one, but if they swept that, that stretch, I would not be completely surprised. Uh, So then we'll get to the final, final six games here of the season, which would be uh, (laughs) a, A lot of Miami in the second yeah. half. I hate I hate this. I hate it here. Uh yeah. Miami <laughs> at home, <laughs> then at Cleveland versus Washington, at the Pacers, at New Orleans, and versus the Pacers again. So a lot of potential implications here, right? Like Miami, who will probably be right there with them in the standings. Then you've got at Cleveland, who, you know, 
possibly is, it could be a first round preview or at least be looking like a first round preview at that point. Washington, who's probably still going to be fighting for the play in uh, the Pacers twice, who are going to still be playing for the play in and New Orleans, who's, you know, also in a playoff race in the West. Like these are all teams that will presumably have something to play for. So this could potentially be a pretty tough stretch for the Knicks here. Uh, what do you think they got to do to close the season off in this final six game stretch? Yeah, I think I, I think I think they should be a four and two run for them. Um, Miami and Cleveland, you probably split those. Uh, and then of the next four, like I think you should go three and one. Like the Wizards, to your point. I mean, the Knicks lost them once and and they I mean, between Kuzma, Beal, and KP, like if, if they're all healthy, like they could beat the Knicks on any given night, but like there's just not really enough there outside of those three guys that they should. Like, like that is the type of team that the Knicks depth over the course of four quarters should overwhelm. And, and and they should be able to beat and, and I just expect the Knicks to to play the best defense of their season after this stretch because I think RJ Barrett's minutes are going to go down a little bit, especially in the fourth quarter. Mitch is going to be back. Hartenstein has new confidence. Hart is still getting fully integrated into the defense, still learning Tibbs' preferences. Like I, I think defensively they're going to ascend. And even if they have a little bit of a cold shooting stretch, like I, I think they'll be able to survive that. And I think I think we're going to see more of the type of basketball we saw against the Hawks, where it was Hartenstein and Randall just beasting on the glass and and kind of bullying them into submission. I guess the one concern for the Knicks, if if we're if we're just kind of zooming out, Alex and looking big picture, is that they've been pretty healthy this year, and particularly with their stars. Like obviously Brunson missed that Mavs game and had that. I think he ended up missing three four games, but outside that, he's. He's played um, Julius Randle, which is extremely abnormal in the modern NBA. Got to give the guy a whole lot of credit. Has played every single game this year. But that's where the Knicks' depth comes into play, where, like, with the way Emmanuel quickly is playing, like, they can survive if Brunson misses two or three games. And honestly, like, obviously I'm not rooting for Randle to get hurt. Like, it would be cool to see Ovi, like, get to cook for five games and, like, get to play 30 minutes and be like, I, I think he would just be incredibly motivated to show what he could do and would bring some elements into the lineup that – they, I mean, this is what we we're talking about all preseason, right? That that as good as Randall's been this year, like they don't necessarily have with Randall in there. So all that is to say, like as long as they don't have a major traumatic injury, um, you can you can like like you were a little bit more optimistic than me, but I, I think my my predictions are three and one, two and two, two and two, three and one, four and two. That gets them right to fourteen and eight, which I think is all they need to do to be in a good spot at the end of the year. Yeah, if I'm looking at it realistically, I think I'm right there with you. I th- and fourteen and eight is is it, that's a that's an achievement. That's a, that's great. I mean, that's, yeah. that's so good considering what we've come from. <laughs> so that's almost exactly the pace. Like since, um, since December 4th, they've had a 51 yeah. pace, 14 and eight is like essentially just that. So that, that exactly. that's what they've been doing already. It tracks. So yeah, I'm with you. Like if we're looking at these final six, I would probably say both Pacers games would be wins. Cause I just think the Knicks are outright better mm. than the Pacers. I think they're outright better than Washington and they will likely win that game. Then it comes down to okay, what can they can they take one out of three from uh, Miami at home at Cleveland and at New Orleans? Absolutely, they can. They can get four and two in that stretch if they keep playing as well as they have. And again, you know, you said it like injuries are the great equalizer, unfortunately. So, but with Hart now on board, Hart honestly makes a huge difference mm. in terms of how they can like how they can absorb another potential injury. The only position where things would get really dicey, like right this second, if they would have another injury, it would be like if Hartenstein would get hurt or something. 
they'd be and Mitch was still on the shelf. Then it would be like, ugh, like that's one position you can't really absorb that sort of loss at. Granted, to your point, we get to see like more Obi that way, which yeah. is not bad. Um, not that we're like I would prefer that everybody just stay healthy, but like Hart is so good in the sense that if Brunson gets hurt, you have quickly that can slot in at point guard and Hart can take all those shooting guard minutes, you know, that they quickly normally occupies and play a bunch of minutes that way. If Grimes gets hurt, Hart can sub right into the starting lineup. If RJ gets hurt, he can sub right into the starting lineup. If Randall gets hurt, Obi can sub into the four and then Hart can play some four minutes. Like Tibbs has alluded that he would try it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could do that with him because he's such a good rebounder and such a good, like pesky defender. You could make that happen. Uh, so I think they're well equipped to make this run, even if they have some unfortunate nicks and bruises here and there. I think they'll be ready to absorb it and come out looking really good out of this final stretch. Because the other thing to consider is that if there's an injury too, and Josh Hart winds up having to fill the space of whoever that is, you still have Deuce McBride waiting in the wings too, who was a pretty productive rotation player as of like a week and a half ago. Uh, so yeah, it's. I feel pretty good about it. I, I like their chances versus Miami. Like out of three games with Miami with how the Knicks had looked against them previously, I think I think you could reasonably say they might be able to take two out of three. Uh, with how they looked against the Pacers, I, they could definitely take both those games against the Pacers. Um, Cleveland, I think, could be a really fun matchup potentially if it looks like they're on a collision course for the first round. So that'll be cool. And uh New Orleans, best of luck to them. I don't know. I hope they win uh, enough to get in the playoffs because I think they're a fun team, but I also hope the Knicks beat them a couple times down the stretch here. So we'll see how it all goes. But I think we've done enough talking. There's only so much we can speculate. We're going to have to just wait a week until the Knicks play basketball again. But until then, got a dunk contest coming up uh, on Saturday and Mm -hmm. an all-star game on Sunday. And Joel Embiid did say that he might not play in the all-star game. So if that does happen, Possibly two all stars for the Knicks yeah. if Jalen Brunson. Also, Giannis uh, sprained his wrist tonight, so maybe so possibly a chance for Jalen Brunson. So maybe the Knicks will have two all stars on Sunday night. If they do, that'll be awesome. If not, Jalen Brunson has some well earned rest ahead of him. Uh, but regardless, as we said, no breaks for us. We'll be back on Monday to talk more Knicks stuff. Uh, we'll come up with some cool stuff to talk about next week, even though the Knicks aren't playing basketball. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.